At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. being seated. I just wanted to remind you again uh, that Pastor Kirk is on sabbatical. He'll be on sabbatical through uh, the middle of July. And so we are being blessed this morning by Greg Taylor, who is from Sojourn Church in Warner Robins. This this church in Warner Robins is a part of our Southeastern cohort for Acts 29. Uh, They are a dear friend of ours, a dear blessing to us, and we just want to thank uh, Greg and his wife for being here this morning and blessing us at Gospel Community Church. So thank you, sir. We're looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, Dave. So thank you, GCC, for allowing me to come up here and preach. Talking with Pastor Kirk about this and scheduling this, he this is my second time being up here, so he asked me to maybe give just a little bit more background on myself and my family. So I'm married. My wife Brenda is right here with me today. We have three daughters which, who are not here with us today. We, I came to Christ when I was 31 years old and did not grow up in a Christian home, but God did a miraculous work in my life in 2009 and brought me out of a life of immorality, of lies, of just a whole bunch of bad, and did a good healing in my marriage and a good work in my wife's heart and my heart. And almost instantly after he changed me, I felt this call to be a pastor. I was like, I, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. Like, if you had told me a week ago I was going to want to be a pastor, I would have laughed. But here I am, I'm like, I've got this urge. And so just a few years ago, my wife started feeling that call too. She came to me and said, yeah, I think you're supposed to pursue this as well. Started meeting with the Sojourn leadership team and started investigating it. Went to seminary, just graduated last month and I've received some opportunities to preach at my church, and Pastor Jason reached out to Kirk and the other X-29 pastors and said, hey, I got somebody who is looking to preach. If you guys have opportunities, please uh, afford him that chance. So I also got to preach at Restoration City Church right down the road, and so again, this is very helpful for me just to get the reps and the, and the practice, but I really hope I glorify God, really hope that I edify you and me today, and I hope that God's name is just magnified. So let's go ahead and jump in. So today we are going to be talking about fear, and I, my hope, my heart for everybody in here and for myself is to show that God, he can, he truly can take away our fears our worries, our anxiety. I want every heart in here to be free of that. And I hope by the Holy Spirit to show that today that that is possible. So we don't have to answer out loud, but what are you afraid of? Like what things cause you fear and worry in life? Like maybe today you walked in here today afraid of something. Or maybe it was something this past week or this past month or maybe this past year. It could have been a decade that you have just been battling fear and battling worry. So what is that today? Just as you sit here, what in your life causes you fear, causes you worry? If you're not battling that, praise God. But I know one thing about you, 
that you have at one point in your life battled fear. At one point in your life, you've battled anxiety, okay, because it's just part of our fallen nature. It's something that grips every one of us on one level or another. Not too long ago, I was potentially facing the loss of my job. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was a bunch of what-if scenarios were running through my head and just plagued with all sorts of just fears and worries. And I actually had a stretch where a couple nights pretty close together, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, just mind going 1,000 miles an hour, and I could not go back to sleep. Well, how am I going to provide for my family? What, what, what's going to happen? I, you know, how, so what am I going to do next? And I just, again, I had those two nights, and it just was, had fear had a firm grip on me. And again, at some point in your life, you can say the same thing. Your situation might be different, but you can say the exact same thing. At some point, you have been gripped. And that's, that's happened ever since the fall, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. What is the first emotions that we see, one of the, one of the first emotions that we see in the garden? Post-fall, fear. Adam and Eve both recognize they're naked. They're like, oh, no, and then they go and hide. And then they hide from God because they realize that they have disobeyed God. Fear, and ever since then, it's trickled down all the way down to me and you today. We all have been affected by this. And that's why, church, the number one most often cited do not command in Scripture, of all the do nots, do not lie, do not murder, of all the do not commands in Scripture, the number one most cited is do not be afraid, is do not worry, do, do not be anxious, or any other variation thereof. That tells us something about what God knows about our human heart and its liability to be subject to fear and worry. And so again, I'm just hoping and leaving it in the Spirit's hands to show us today that we can be free of fear. We can be free of worry. My big point today comes from Jesus, and it's from Mark 6.50, right out of the passage. I'm actually using the NIV, just FYI, a little bit different. But Jesus' big idea, or I'm sorry, his words are, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Okay, and I'm going to give us five reasons from the text today why we do not have to live in fear. So where are we going? First, I'm going to provide a few disclaimers. Then I'm going to give a context to the passage. Then I'm going to walk through verse by verse, pointing things out. And then I have an application and a conclusion. Okay, first, let's get going. Disclaimers. have three disclaimers today. So what you hear me talking about today, these three are things I am not saying today. Okay? So the first thing, I am not talking about fear as a feeling. Okay, I'm not talking about fear as a feeling. I'm not talking about when you maybe hear of something coming your way and instantly fear, you have that emotion of fear. That's not the sin. That's not the issue. Okay, do you think Abraham was afraid when he was taking Isaac up to sacrifice him? Do you think Esther was feeling afraid when she had to go to the king? She, we know she was because she said, I need, she told her uncle, I need you guys to fast and to pray for me. Okay, no, we are called to be courageous in the middle of our fears, but the feeling of fear that we get is not the issue. So don't think you've sinned when, oh no, I felt afraid. That's not the issue, and I'll get to what we are talking about today here in a minute. The second thing I'm not talking about today, I'm not talking about good fears, okay? When you hear glass shattering in your house at two o'clock in the morning, that's a good fear that makes you get up out of your bed and go investigate. 
Okay, it's the good fear that keeps you away from the edge of the cliff when you're hiking or keeps you away from a rattlesnake. Okay, so God gave, that's the common grace that God has given all of us, that he, it's a gift to us to keep us away from danger. So I'm not talking about good fears that we have. And then the last thing I'm not talking about today is I am not saying that bad things will not happen to you. Okay, as we live in a fallen world, terrible, tragic things might and, and will happen to us at some point. That's another sermon today. I'm not talking about that. Okay, so again, I'm not talking about it as a feeling, as good fears, and I'm not saying that bad things won't happen. So what are we talking about today? Church, the fear that, that the Bible speaks of that God calls us out of is the fear that causes someone to stop trusting in God, and instead you trust in the lie that the enemy's feeding you. Okay, it's the fear that causes someone to stop trusting in God, and instead you trust in the lie that the enemy is feeding you. Okay, we see this in Galatians with Peter, right? He, he, he kind of gets afraid of the Jewish crowd, so he starts backing away from the Gentiles. Okay, and we do the same thing. We, we feel called to witness to someone, but we don't because we're afraid of how they may respond. Okay, you, you have to give a report to your boss, okay, but it's not a good report, so you change some numbers on it to make yourself look good because you're afraid to give him the bad report. And just thoughts about the future that may plague us, okay, and just control us and keep our minds spinning. Okay, and God just telling us, just rest. Just rest, I've got this. Okay, God is calling us out of that fear, okay, and he's calling us into a mindset that is locked that is locked on Jesus Christ and will trust him in the middle of our fears. So I think it's helpful to, to throw these three disclaimers out there and specify what exactly I am talking about today. So context. So we're looking at the gospel of Mark. So when you read Mark, just think Peter. Okay, this is actually coming from Peter's vantage point. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus and he walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. And then after that, Mark became Peter's companion in spreading the gospel. And what we have is Mark's gospel here, his notes from his time with Peter. The immediate context for the story, and this is going to be important. We're going to come back to this in a little bit. But remember this, is that just prior to this incident where Jesus walks on the water, the disciples saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Just, food just kept appearing and just kept appearing. And the disciples would have seen this miracle. They haven't even gone to bed yet. It just happened and they have not even gone to bed yet. They're, during the night, they're crossing the sea. So that just happened. And up to this point, they would have seen Jesus heal people, cast out demons, calm a storm, give them themselves power to heal people, turn water into wine, amongst other things. So they're no stranger to Jesus's power and what Jesus can do for us. So keep that in mind. We'll come back to that later. Okay, so we will jump into the passage. Let's go verse by verse here. Verse 45 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So Jesus makes them get into the boat and cross the Sea of Galilee to Bethsaida while he dismisses the crowd. So I have not been over to this region of the world, but as I understand it, 
these are not 50-foot hills along the edge of a nice lake. These are tower up to about 1,500 feet. Okay, so Jesus would have had to have, to have been to, would have had to have, do, to have done some work to get to where he was trying to pray. Okay, Jesus was intentional, and he worked to get to a place where he could be alone by himself. What do you think that Jesus was praying for? So the text doesn't say what Jesus was praying for. We know he prays all night, but we know from John's gospel that in John chapter 17, Jesus prays over his disciples, and we know right now he intercedes for us. So we know that, so I think it's a safe assumption to say that Jesus was, pay, was praying for his disciples as they're out in the middle of the lake. Okay, so Christian, Jesus prays for you. Reason number one, you don't have to be afraid, is you have the Son of God says prayers for you. So take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Moving on, verse 47 says, Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So this story is also told in Matthew and John, and we know from John 6 that they were about three to four miles out. And Jesus, standing alone on land after a long night of praying, he sees his disciples on the lake. Okay, fully God, fully man, and he sees the disciples on the lake. This is 2,000 years ago, okay? There's no lighthouses. The boats don't have blinking lights on them. Okay, it's dark, and Jesus sees them. Okay, Christian, the world may not see you. Your boss may ignore you, but know that Jesus sees you right now. Okay, reason number two, Jesus sees you. You don't have to be afraid. He prays for you, and he sees you. Take courage, Christian. It is I. Don't be afraid. Okay, moving on. It says, shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Okay, I know it's Jesus. I know it's Jesus, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he prays all night long. And the very first thing he does when he's done praying is he walks on the water. Okay, and I love my, my old pastor when we were up at a, our church up in Massachusetts before we moved down to Georgia. He, he said concerning Jesus walking on the water after this, he said, he said, look, we won't, if we pray this intentionally as Jesus does, we're not going to come down and walk on the water. If we were in, we not walk differently in life. Might we not walk differently if we were intentional about just being with our Heavenly Father? Okay, so I wanted to just do that quick detour in prayer and just ask us just, oh, one, being intentional. Might people not notice the one the, the capital O one we are walking with in life if we were this intentional with our prayer life. Okay, so Jesus walks on the water here. He doesn't, like, he's not, he's not tiptoeing. He's not, like, crawling where, you know, he's not kind of unsure. No, Jesus, I, and, I, and when I think about this, too, I always wonder how it looks. We know that the waves were kind of rough, but is there, like, a, a mini parting in the water? Or is there like a, a 10-foot radius around Jesus where it's just perfectly calm? Whatever the case, his feet and his sandals are making firm contact with the water, and he is not sinking. Okay, this Jesus who created the water walks on the very thing that he created. He has that authority. 
Okay, so church, Jesus prays for you, he sees you, and he has all authority over all creation. Okay, three reasons why you do not have to be afraid, Christian. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. He was about to, continuing on, he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. This phrase, he was about to pass by them, that indicate that Jesus had every intention of going to land. He wasn't planning on getting in the boat with them. He didn't want to do that. So other translations read, he intended to pass by them, or he wanted to pass by them. So look, some of these men are fishermen. They've been on the lake all their life. They know the water. They've probably seen some pretty weird things, okay? But this is a whole new realm for them. It says that they that they saw him walking on the, on the lake and they cried out. Other translations render it, render it screamed. Okay, these 12 men are screaming. They are terrified. They are rattled. Okay, continuing, continuing on. It says, immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't afraid. Know that heaven is not silent. That isn't it something that when you're afraid, isn't it encouraging to, to hear that somebody has something to say something to you about your fear? How much more encouraging is it to know that Jesus has something to say to you in your fear? And he does. Heaven is not silent about our fears. Jesus knows when we're afraid and he has something to say to us. And it's take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage here. It means just to get a mindset of courage. So fear is trying to dominate you. Get courage into your mind right now. Okay, start thinking courageously. Ignore that lie that is trying to come into your mind. Don't be afraid. <clears throat> That's in the present imperative. So Jesus isn't saying don't feel afraid, like I, like I mentioned. He's saying don't be afraid. That could also be rendered from this point forward, do not go on being afraid. Okay, so you're afraid, but don't go on living in it any longer. And why does Jesus tell, him, tell them not to be afraid? Because it is I. Because it's me, Jesus. This is what Jesus calls us to when we are confronted with fear. But what do we typically do when we're afraid? What we typically do often is we start thinking a thousand things. We start pacing. We start calling everybody. Okay, we, we wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Our minds just race and race. We feel pain somewhere in our body and you assume the worst. Okay, you think your company is downsizing and you're on LinkedIn five minutes later. Okay, you're, you're scared of losing a friend so you don't want to share the gospel. Okay, and I know this because I've done those things. Okay, and church, I love too about the Bible. The Bible is so practical as well. The Bible is so practical. I, I love that Jesus addresses this practically. In Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the common worries of the world, you know, like how, well, what am I going to wear and what am I going to eat? And Jesus says, don't, don't worry about those things. Just, this is one of my favorite quotes. Jesus gets so practical too, church. He says in Matthew 6, 27, uh, this is one of my favorite questions that Jesus asks. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can, you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Just sit with that for a question. Just honestly, and again, you don't have to speak out loud, but just what, when you've been afraid before, what, has that actually benefited you? 
all the things you've done to try to deal with your fear, has, that, has any of it actually benefited you? All the worrying, all the pacing, all the, the calling 100 people. I just get Jesus, can you worry? Can you even add a single hour to your life in your fear and in your worrying? And it's a rhetorical question that Jesus asks, and the answer will no. So if we can't do anything constructive by worrying, then let's go to the one who will speak to us in our fear. Church, he prays for you, he sees you, he has all authority, and he speaks to you in your fear. Okay, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Continuing on, verse 51, it says, Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. That's not a small point. I want to key in on that. So it said that Jesus intended to walk to the land, but it stops and it says that he gets into the boat with, he could not a minor point. When you are scared, you need to know that Jesus doesn't just come along and he could have came to them and said, all right, it's me. You guys good? I'm going to keep walking. He could have, but no, he gets into the boat with them. Okay, that's, that's not a minor point. When my, uh, when my, my girls are, my oldest is 17, my youngest is seven, she's, she's still fairly young, but we're, we're kind of past the stage with all of our girls now on the, on the dark room at night, and the daddy, come here, you know, dad, come here, I'm scared. But when my girls were little, they would have those nights where they would say, dad, dad, and I'd go in there and just have to make sure the room was okay, and maybe plug a nightlight in or something, just reassure them I'm right here. But church, what happened when I walked in the room? their fears disappeared. How much more so should you know that when God gets in the situation with you, you have nothing to be afraid of, and your fears can be gone. He sees you, okay, 40. He speaks to you, and he is right in the middle of any situation with you. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Look, we live in a scary world. Things are scary in this world. You're worried about financial stability? Yeah, me too. I don't want to see zeros in my, in my checking account. Okay, but God tells us in 1 Peter 1 that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. That's coming to you and to me. Okay, you're afraid of people not liking you? There's maybe some good fear in that. There's maybe some good fear there. We, we, we certainly shouldn't be going over here trying to make enemies with people. But so far we get, but often we can be so consumed with people liking us. Okay, and teenagers, I don't know if teenagers are in the room, and I really feel for your generation with the social media and the Facebook and the who's saying what and how many likes and, no, but be more concerned with hearing, with hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You're fearful of being persecuted for your faith? Yeah, me too. But then Jesus says, rejoice when you are persecuted, because great is your reward in heaven. You're anxious about the future and what it may hold? Yep, I am. Okay, but remember, Jesus controls the future, and he authored every single day before one of them even came to be. And in all of it, church, Jesus says to me and you, take courage. It's me. It's Jesus. Stop being afraid. Who talks like that, church? Just think about that for a second. That is weird language. Who speaks like that? Don't be afraid because it is me. Jesus is the one who has that authority to speak like that. 
He is the one who can speak like that because he carries the weight to back it up. If you are a Christian here today, nothing. If I'm a Christian, you have nothing to be afraid of at all. Like all capital letters, nothing. If you are a Christian here today, you have nobody to be afraid of out there. All capital letters, nobody. Okay, if we are Christ's followers, you have no business being afraid of anything or anyone. You don't. So Christian, so for me, for you, what are we so afraid of? Like who are we so afraid of? If you're here and you're wrestling with Christianity and you're not a Christian, I just, first off, you're in great company because we all at one point were non-Christians and we had to wrestle with this thing called Christianity. We had to wrestle with Jesus in one way, shape, or form. So you're in great company. But if you're not a Christian, you have more than a fear issue. You have a sin issue that is separating you from God now and it will in eternity. Okay, and he came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross to take your sins, all of your wrongdoing, past, present, and future, and he died for them to make you right with God. Okay, he can forgive you, but also please know this, that he can take away your fears too. He can take away your worries in life that plague, and I know they plague you because you're part of, you're part of all of humanity. Okay, moving on to verse 51. It says, Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So Jesus gets in the boat with them, and the wind and the waves die down, and the disciples are amazed. And I just have this image of them looking at each other, not speaking. The passage doesn't tell us that there was any more conversation. And I don't think there was because I think that they were right then just soaking up their, the lesson that they had just learned. And what was the lesson that they had just learned? They failed, they failed to connect the fact that Jesus just fed 5,000 people. They, he just fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And they failed to connect that if he can do that, he can do this and this and this and this. There's nothing impossible for, for Jesus to do. Okay, they had developed this, this spiritual amnesia of the heart, and they forgot what he did. And when you're, I don't know if you're like me, but you read some of these um, stories sometimes, and don't you? I know I do. I, look, I read this, I'm like, like, really? Come on, guys. Like, he just, he just fed 5,000 people not too long ago. Like, like, you haven't even gone to bed yet. How did you forget? And then I realized, I realized that I do the exact same thing. I will see God do something over here, and then two weeks later, I'm, I'm looking, okay, God, so where are you at now? Like, like why, like, where are you at? Like, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle this. And, and I've already forgotten what you've done over here. So we all do this. We all learn this lesson, and they're doing the things that, that we do today. So some things that will help. We must avail ourselves of the means of grace that God has given us. And one of those means of grace is Scripture, just things to help us recall and remember I just want to read through uh, some passages just about fear. Just, just soak them up. Psalm 34, 4. This is King David writing. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 56, verse 3 through 4, also King David. He says, when I am afraid, 
I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? John 16, this is Jesus. I love this verse. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then Luke 12, 7 says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. This is Jesus again. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You have a soul that is infinitely valuable. Another good thing to do is to journal, okay? That has helped me just to write down what I've seen God do and then go back and just read, yes, God, that is awesome. Thank you. And just remember what God can do. This is why community is so important. If you're not in a community group, I, I saw the board out there with all the community groups that you guys have, I highly encourage And then into a community group that has helped me tremendously. And then, and then just the faith. You have a faith. It's a gift. Your faith is a gift from God, so use it. You, when you... When you obey fear, when you listen to fear, you're actually taking that faith and you're, and you're buying into that lie. And you're placing your faith in that fear and saying, yep, I'm going to believe that. No, take that faith that you have, that precious faith, and use it and obey Jesus. And listen to what he tells you. And don't believe the lie that is fear. So God gives us these means of grace to help us in our time of need to overcome this spiritual amnesia. Okay, moving on. Verse 53. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Okay, so church, look at this. You and I will fall to fear after today. The point of this sermon, please, I hope you have not heard, is to go home and just, you know, white knuckle and say, I'm really going to be courageous this week. Okay, don't do that. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus to escape all fear and worry and anxiety. Okay, but you are going to fall. And even you, Christian, in Christ, are going to fall at some point to fear again. Okay, don't miss what happens. So they don't land at their intended destination. And, but still, when they get out of the boat, people recognize Jesus and bring to him their sick for healing. Okay, and he starts performing all these miracles. Okay, look at the bookends of the story. Miracle on this side, the disciples fail, and then another miracle as soon as they land. Okay, Jesus is never done using you, Christian, so be quick to repent. If you fall to fear, if you trust in that lie, repent. Okay, Jesus is not done using you. It may be very well that he's about to use you immediately after your fall and after our hard-heartedness that we have. Okay, so I love the bookends of this story. Okay, Jesus knows they're going to fall, and then even after the fall, he continues showing them what he is capable of. Okay, so now to an application and then a conclusion. Okay, so I, I kind of already touched on some applications, but I want to get to a specific one here. So Jesus says to take courage, which is get a mindset of courage. And I was thinking about an application for this sermon and felt led by the Holy Spirit to, to share this, and this has helped me tremendously. 
is when a thought enters your head, this actually helps with unrighteous anger, bitterness. It helps with a whole line of thoughts. But specifically with fear, when you get a thought that starts coming into your head, what's been very helpful for me is to just stop and just ask this question, who is putting this thought here? That has helped me tremendously. That, that actually just helped me, just helped me yesterday. I just started going back to someone who had, who had hurt me before and I started getting this anger again. And it just, just came to me, stop, who is putting that thought there? It's not coming from Christ. And the same is with fear. When you, when you just have fears bombarding you and waking up at three o'clock in the morning, just stop and ask, who is putting this thought here? And, that, and the beautiful part about that is it leads you right to Jesus. It leads you right to the it is I part of this verse. Okay, stop. Who's putting that thought there? Nope, it's not God. Then go to the one who will give you the right thoughts. And so often my mind has just been cleaned out. All right. And then last conclusion, church. So I have not prayed some of the prayers that I read in the Psalms that where David writes some prayers to God when he's being chased by King Saul, when his life is on the line. He's literally being hunted down, and he just has some prayers that come from the depths of his heart. I've read them. I have not prayed those prayers from that depth. I have not prayed the, some of the prayers that I've heard our brothers and sisters pray in countries that are very hostile to the gospel, where just if you're caught with a Bible, it, you are guaranteed prison time at a minimum. Okay, I have not prayed some of those prayers. I've read them. I've heard about them. So, and, and I don't want to speak for everybody here because I don't know everybody's story, but I bet the vast majority of us could say the same thing just because of where we live here, here in America and with the freedoms that we've had. But what I take great, great comfort in church, though, is when I read in Scripture the courage that God gives David I take great comfort in when I read stories about our brothers and sisters overseas. I take great comfort in the courage that God gives them and how they make it through some horrific circumstances. And just like that is only from you, God. That is amazing. And I personally have experienced this courage too in God just coming in and giving me peace. I told you at the start of me potentially losing my job and not sure what was going to happen. And during that stretch where I woke up at 3 a.m., I just combination of things of me just just seeking God in prayer and pursuing him in scripture, sharing with my community group. I just started having this peace just come over me. And the situation at my work, it, it eventually resolved itself, but at the time it hadn't. And then just this peace just started just started flooding over me. And I, I just started sleeping like a baby. Never didn't have any more episodes of waking up at night. Just very calm and just, God, God you've got this. I'm, I'm, you can, I can relax now. And I was just like, thank you, God. This is amazing. It is, church, he really can. He really can take away all fears and worries that you may have. So, church, our enemy's voice is loud and scary. It, it says, there's nobody here, so be afraid. But Jesus looks at me. And he looks at you, Christian, and he says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Thank you, Gospel Community Church. I appreciate that. Let's go ahead and pray.
Father God, Lord, we are, we just confess that we are fearful people. We find fear so easily. And God, we just confess that we have let fear get the best of us sometimes. So forgive us, Father God, when we take our eyes off of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just flood every heart here today with a mindset of courage. God, lock our eyes on Christ. Lock, lock our eyes on eternal things. And God, for anyone that is battling fear here this morning, uh, I just pray that you would just come into their hearts just and, and just flood them with peace and, and calmness and, and comfort. And God, for those of us who will experience fear later, Lord, will you go ahead of us to that point, uh, God, and just guard us and, and keep us, Lord, and just help us get through that situation. God, we just look at you and say you are our only hope uh, in this world for all things that we will encounter, and we need you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.